worship the Lord as we proclaim we are children of the Lord. Peace. 
working out, you know, just the idea of like thinking about things that we do to stay on the move, to keep active and to keep growing and to keep going. And well, all of those things are true about our spiritual walk with Christ, that God wants us to keep moving with him in our faith. And so that's what we're going to do. We studied this great passage about Philippians 2 and the mind of Christ in the past few weeks. It was Easter uh, last Sunday, so I hope uh, you were blessed by Easter and that God uh, just did some good things with you and your family and you had some good quality time there. But today we're going to look at this passage in Philippians 2, uh, verse 12. Really, it's the main passage. It's one verse, but it's got, it's got some really good stuff in here. Look what Paul says. He says, Therefore, my friends, he calls them friends because that's what they are, the brothers in Christ. As you have always obeyed, Paul's like giving them a high five, good job, you're obeying, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, because Paul is in Rome, he's in prison, and he's writing this letter that is going to be carried to the Christians in Philippi, the Philippians, and they're going to read this, and Paul is saying to them, good job, you're doing a great job, when I'm with you, you're obeying the truth of God's word, and when I'm not with you, I'm hearing reports that you are obeying the truth of God's word. Now that's, that's a beautiful thing that we should want to be said about us, that, that whether anyone's watching or not, we are obeying the truths of God's word. We are honoring God because we know he's watching anyway, right? So we, we're going to honor God and what we do. And that's what Paul says. But now he says this, but now much more in my absence, he says, continue, continue to work out your salvation with fear and tremble. Great passage of scripture, great truth right here. Paul says, continue, Continue to work out your salvation. Salvation is the free gift of God, the grace of God poured out for anyone who will accept Jesus as Lord, be born again into Christ, be immersed into Christ, his sin, your sins forgiven, and you begin this new walk with Jesus, being born again with Christ. That's salvation. That's a free gift of God. All we can do is like respond to that in faith and belief and in obedience. We obey Christ. That's what Paul is getting at here. Continue to obey. Continue to trust. Continue to work out your salvation uh, with fear and trouble because we have a part in this. Like we have our own will. We have our own flesh. We have our own desires. And it's our job. God is calling us and gives us the help we need through his word, through the spirit of God to overcome the flesh that wants to rise up and take back our, our mind and our heart, and, and it's the evil one who wants to use our sinful nature, our flesh, to get back in here and take over again. And when we surrender our lives to Christ and salvation becomes ours, God now begins to work us, work in us and with us to conquer our flesh, our sinful nature. And growing up in school, we, um, we would stand, uh, some of you remember this, and uh, maybe kids still do it, and we'd say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Remember that? We pledge our allegiance to the flag. In other words, we'd say the, the flag, the American flag, America, is what I am going to think about because we're in this together. Like, we are one country, and I'm pledging my allegiance to the country in which I live. Okay? And, and so the idea of pledging our allegiance to something is an important truth. And all of us have to decide who we are going to pledge our allegiance to. 
Who are we going to trust in? Who are we going to give ourselves to? On, the, on our money, it says, in God we trust. Not so, not sure that's still true for our country on a whole, but for us as individuals, that can still be true, that, that we trust in God. And if our allegiance is to God, then things are going to happen in our life as we honor God. He's going to transform our mind and our heart. He's going to cause us to, um, to grow up in Christ. He's going to help us, the scripture says, to take captive evil thoughts, thoughts that come into our mind and from our heart, and we're, able, we're going to be able to take captive those thoughts, and we're going to be able to make them obedient to Christ by saying no to things that don't honor God and saying yes to things that do honor God. So in our habits and in our lifestyle and in the things we do, we're going to have a desire and a passion from within us. If Christ is now living in us, we're going to have a desire to honor Him in how we live our lives. Paul's saying, continue to work out your salvation on a daily basis. In John 15, uh, John uses the term remain. If you remain in me, Jesus says, I will remain in you. In other words, he's the vine, we're the branches, and as long as we stay connected to the, the branch, the, the, the vine, the branches will be fine. We'll continue to draw from him and grow. But if we cut ourselves off from the branch, from Christ, then we'll wither away and we will die. We have to remain. Here Paul says the word, we have to continue. Paul uses that term. See it? He says, he says to them, continue, continue. That's an ongoing thing, isn't it? It's not a one-time deal. It isn't I gave my life to Christ, now I can go just do whatever I want. That's not how salvation works. That's not how our relationship with God works. We we gave our life to him and we enter into salvation by his grace. And now we want that salvation to begin to grow fruit in us and to transform us and to change how we act and how we think and how we live. We want to continue. Continue means to keep doing it. Continue living in Christ. Continue glorifying Christ with our body. Continue putting on the full armor of God. This is not to gain salvation, okay? Let me say that again. It's not about gaining salvation. We don't do good deeds to gain salvation. Jesus provided that. We enter into that by accepting him and surrendering to him and responding to his grace. But now we live our lives. And as we live our lives, we want our body, our flesh, our, our humanness, our physicalness, our worldliness, we want it to, to come in line with who he is with his nature, with his word, allowing his spirit to work in us. It's as if God is tilling the ground of our heart and our life, making us more like him, having the mind of Jesus, like we studied last week, earlier in Philippians 2. It's about having the mind of Christ and then having this like attitude of appreciation and we, we understand what God has done for us and we want to honor him. So we do it not to earn salvation, but we do it, we continue in him to please him. Like we love him and we're thankful for what he's done for us and our response to that is I want to like bear fruit of God in my life. I want to grow in my salvation and bloom with the characteristics and the qualities of God. In all this quarantine, uh, lots of people are doing different things. We're planting a garden. A lot of people are doing that, working on the shrubs, planting a garden. And uh, so tomatoes and strawberries and corn. And we're, we're like um, uh, working on seeds and getting them to grow. What's that called? Um, 
You know what it's called uh, when you try to get that seed to begin to grow and then you plant it in the ground. We're doing those kinds of things. And, and uh, you got, there's a lot to do with gardening. You know, you got to give your attention to it. It takes time. And, and growing stuff is very similar to what God is doing in us. So think about this with me for a minute. In order to grow a garden, it takes two things. It takes one, our part, where we uh, make sure that the soil is good and we till it up and we add some compost or some potting soil so that it's got some good nutrients in the ground. And then we, we plant the seed in there. God gives us seeds and we plant it. We have to do it. You can do it by itself if you want a garden, right? You got to do it. Water, got to protect it. It's going to frost. You're going to cover them up so they don't die. They don't get frostbite. We've got some plants that got frostbite on the first frost. And now I'm trying to nurse those plants back to life. I blew it on my part, okay, when it came to those five tomato plants. They are struggling, but I think they're going to survive. So there's our part. We have to do our part or it won't grow. Second part is God. It's very simple. God is the one who provides seed. He provides water. He provides the rain. He provides the earth. And it's only God who can give the increase. Only God. Once you plant the seed in the ground, you're like praying that it's going to pop up and produce some fruit. And only God can bring that about. Only God. And that's what Paul is trying to say here is that God is going to bring it about. It's God who, look, works in you. It's God working in you, tilling that ground. And the cool thing is, the cool thing about it is we get to work with God on us. That's what this is all about. It's like God is working on your heart and we get to work on our heart and on our mind and on our, our obedience levels and our like our attention and our attitudes and what's important to us. Like, like what, what are we going to hunger and thirst for? We get to have a say in that. What are we going to aim after? What are we going to chase after? What are we going to give our money and our time to? We decide those things. And God wants us to honor him in all those things. So it's God who is at work in you, working with us. Paul says, continue to work out. Now, that's an interesting term, the idea of working out. Because, you know, as, as people, if you play sports, if you're an athlete, you understand the idea, the concept of working out. You do it because you want to be better. When you get on the court or you get on the field or whatever sport it is you play, in order for you to be better than the other guy, you have to work hard off the field. And what you do in the gym will show itself on the court. And so working out is about conditioning your body. It's about exercising. It's about training. It's about a lot of things. My, uh, my brother, uh, Steve, my younger brother, Steve, his daughter, Valerie, married uh, Billy Barron. And Billy Barron uh, is a basketball player. He plays for Serbia. And right now they're in quarantine. So, so he's kind of locked down for a little while like everybody else. But he's uh, on Instagram. He's doing these workouts. And so you could join him on the EuroLeague on the workouts and uh, he uses bands and uh, does a lot of band exercise. I watched him do one of his workouts. It's an abbreviated workout. And uh, wait, Billy, let me give you a picture of Billy. This is Billy, Billy Barron. On his abbreviated workouts, he, 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 he works different parts of his body, arms and legs and movements and, uh, and all of them with some intention, you know, like whether you're taking a jump shot or a three-point shot or a layup or whatever it is, you're moving with the ball. All of these exercises and movements have a purpose so that on the court you're stronger and you're better and you're quicker and you're able to do things 
out there on the court. And so he's doing this workout and I'm watching this workout and he comes to the end of the workout and I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted watching him. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm watching him and I'm like tired because he's so intense about his workouts. Billy Barron, Billy Barron. And uh, working out is, it's about exercise. It's about, it's about physically keeping your body in shape. And it's so important. Sports are awesome for this kind of thing, to keep you healthy, to, to, to help you stay in shape, to get you to think about what you eat and eating good things and getting proper rest and all those things in sports and being an athlete and working out and training. All of those things are so important for our physical body. Huge for our physical body. Athletes, they train their muscles. They train their muscles through repetition, it's called mes muscle memory, to respond in a certain way. You keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and eventually your body, without even thinking, responds in, in, in that quick of a command. And you just move, you just go, and you just do. It's like riding a bike. You don't think about it anymore, you just get on it and ride. Your body has been trained to do what it needs to do. So much more in sports. And so Billy, uh, this three-point shot is for you. I got a basket back there, and uh, we're gonna take a three-point shot. If it goes in, you're gonna hear an alarm go off, okay? So three-point shot, three-quarters of the room, here we go. Boom. That's a three-pointer in your eye. Money, 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 money. Anyhow, working out, exercise, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's exactly what Paul is getting at as he's talking about, uh, as he's talking about being in shape for God. Like spiritually being in shape. Thinking about our spiritual person. In, in a passage of scripture in 1 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy and he, he says these words, check these words out, he says, for physical training, which is what we've been talking about, physical training is what we do on the earth, is of some value. It's got value for things on this earth, but we all know that it's, it's only for this earth. It isn't for eternity. It's just for this earth. And by doing uh, good exercise and training and staying in shape, you can live longer. So you could do more good things. You could, you could possibly, uh, because of it, become uh, a little more successful so that you can use that platform to bring honor and glory to God. So physical training has good value that can be used in a good way. No doubt about it. Many athletes like Tim Tebow use that platform and their physical training and their exercise and all that for the glory of God. I would encourage any athlete out there to use it for the glory of God. To use your platform for something eternal. Something bigger than yourself. Something that will last into eternity. Paul says physical training is good for some value. But look what he says. Godliness. Like godly exercise. Godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life. This life we live in today. And the life to come. Like that's brilliant. Like, so use your exercise to do good things for the glory of God, but then don't neglect, don't neglect your spiritual person that needs to work out 
as well. And what our problem is as human beings, is like we, we spend a lot of time on our physical body working out, and we spend little time on our spiritual soul working out. And all God is saying to us, he's not saying like, you don't, you, you don't have to do any of the physical stuff. He's just saying, be smart, like do both. Think about your spiritual life as much as you think about your physical life. Use the barbells, you know, use the, the bands. Work on your physique. Be strong, be healthy, but don't neglect things that are important like prayer and studying the Word of God and worship and serving the Lord and doing things that are going to grow the kingdom of God. Okay, don't neglect those things. Together with God, we are working out and we are working in. Okay, that's what exercise and working it out means. We're working out of ourselves things that need to go. Stuff in our life that we know doesn't honor God. They, those things need to go. And we are working into ourselves the things of God that we need to put in us. Things of, that the Word teaches us. You know, things that God says are good for you and for me. So whether it's gardening or fitness, let's work out our spiritual heart muscle and our soul muscle and our spirit muscle and our mind muscle for the glory of God in the Lord. Let's work it out for the Lord. And then Paul adds to this, to work out your salvation, he says, with fear and trembling fear and trembling that's what paul adds to the idea of working out for god okay because we work out and exercise and train for a trophy or a gold medal or for something like that right but working out for god being spiritually minded and spiritually ready and spiritually equipped is because we understand how awesome God is and what he's done for us, right? We get that. We understand that it's God who has done this for us and made it possible. He has bridged a way for us to come back to him. So our approach to working out for the glory of God in a spiritual sense should be with fear and trembling. We're allowed back into the presence of almighty God that is bigger than anything on this earth. That is huge that we can come back into a relationship with a God who made us, who we rebelled against, and who sent his son so we can come back to him. That's big, y'all, that's huge. Fear, fear and trembling. Two words he says, fear is about being alarmed. It's about, it also has to do with fear, like respect, like fear of the Lord, out of respect, out of reverence. The word trembling has to do with like this quaking or this shaking, this like, like because you're, because you're awestruck, right? To, to know and to carry out the will of God in fear and in trembling so that we can honor God with the right attitude, right? With a sense of humility about who we are. This is not, fear and trembling is not about like being afraid of God, like he's some God up there waiting for us to mess up so he can 
discipline us. That's not God. That's not what he, he's up there doing. That's not what he's doing in your life and in our world. Yes, he does discipline us like a good, good father. He loves us. He wants to help us work things out of our life. And so there may be times where God goes to work in you to get your attention or to help you make decisions that will get rid of stuff that you have put in place of him. So, yeah, God does discipline us, but he's not waiting to pounce on you. He loves you. He loves me like a father, like a mother, like a parent. He cares about us. He's not some big bully waiting up there, waiting somewhere to inflict pain on his subjects. That's not how God is. He is a God of love. You can't read the, the scriptures, especially the New Testament and the New Covenant in the blood of Jesus and walk away and think that God is that kind of a God. He's not. He's a loving God who cares about us and came for us to rescue us. All the things that we think that are awesome and good about God, they're true. They are. He is that God. He wants us to have like this high regard for who he is as God. He's the creator. We are the work of his hands, right? We, we were fashioned by God. And he wants us to have a healthy, honest, truthful understanding of who he is as God as we are the, the human beings. Like, like we're human, he's God. He's the creator. He earns the respect, he deserves the respect, and he wants us to be conscious of the fact that he is the creator and have a keen awareness that I am a person made of dirt. You know, I've, I'm the, the work of his hands. He fashioned me. In fact, Psalm 95 says this, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our, the Lord, our maker. God is the one who made us. We are his children. His made in the image of God. We are to, to honor him with this sense of awe and fear and trembling that he is, he is powerful. He is good and he loves us and, and that he cares about us. We should, like we would in the presence of anybody that is amazing or great or king or whatever, there'd be this sense of, of awe. We can't ever lose that. We should never take it for granted that God is God and we're human and we're somehow can tell him what to do or, or we can do whatever we want and not have to answer for it because there is going to come a day where we will have to answer for our life, for our actions, for what we do and what we decide and how we live, what we give ourselves, all those things. We're going to have to give an account one day. And God wants us to know ahead of time and be wise and make good decisions that lead to salvation and lead to him being a part of who we are. You know, we understand God loves us and we understand that he came for us. And, and so we want to be like thankful, right? We're thankful and live a life of thankfulness and, so, and also of trembling at the thought that, that he allows us to even know him. Like he allows us into his presence. In Luke chapter 17, in the Bible of Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, uh, Jesus is traveling toward Jerusalem and he comes uh, across ten men outside of this vi village. And uh, they're living in the wilderness and they all have leprosy and they can't, be in, they can't go in the city because of their leprosy. And so they're living outside. They're unclean and they have to stay away from everybody else. And Jesus comes walking toward the village and he sees the men and uh, he, they cry out in a loud voice to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Master, they know who he is, 
Have pity on us. In other words, if anybody can do anything about our situation, Jesus, we know it's you. We've heard the stories. You've healed people. You've raised the dead. We, we hear of what you're doing. And now you're like in our town. Jesus, please have pity on us. Help us. Heal us. Do something for us. And when Jesus saw them, here's what the scripture said. Jesus says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, that's what you had to do. If you were unclean, had to stay separate from the people, your first step, once you were well again, was to go to the priest and he would verify that you are clean again and now you could live among the people. And so Jesus says, go to the priest, show yourself to them. And so they begin to move and as they went, they are cleansed, they're healed. Jesus heals them as they begin to walk toward the town where the priest is. That's a pretty cool thing too because because Jesus didn't just say, you're healed, and they went, oh, we're healed, and now we go to the town. Jesus just said, just, just go to the town, start walking that way, and as they're walking that way, they're healed. That's obedience to what Jesus said. That's what, sometimes that's all we need to just do. Like, we know this is what God said to do. Just go ahead and do what God said to do, and while you're doing what God said, God will go to work in that. And maybe sometimes he's just waiting for us to obey just simple obedience to what he said to do, and then God will go to work. Just obey. Just do whatever God tells you to do. Whatever he's putting on your heart, wherever you are in your walk with him, just go ahead and obey the truth of his word and what he's sharing with you in your heart to do. And let God take care of the rest. Well, in verse 15, it says this. One of them... One of the ten lepers, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. And the scripture says, verse 16, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he thanked him. You get that? See, that's what, that's what this is all about, this fear and trembling, this continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. It's like this leper. He understood that the God of all creation who sent his son Jesus just healed him. And all he could do from that moment is throw himself at, his, at Jesus' feet and like thank him and worship him and say, God, you're awesome. God, you're great. And there's a sense of awe at who Jesus is and this leper understands his need for Jesus. Well, there's another uh, passage of scripture in Revelations. It's a great passage. Uh, Revelations, a great uh, book. In Revelations chapter 1, where John is on the island of Patmos, and John is uh, in, a, in the spirit, the scripture says in John 1, or Revelations 1, and uh, he's seeing some things from God. And God is sharing some things with him. He's telling him some stuff. And so John hears these voices right from behind in this vision or in this spirit, however that was going on. And if you're in Revelations 1, get your Bible out and open it up to Revelations 1. And uh, look what happens here. John in verse 12 says this, I turned around to see the voice. And there's so many good things in John 1 before this that you're going to want to read just to kind of think about some of this stuff that God is so good at. And, 
and how he works in our lives and all that he does to bring us to him and to help us grow up in him. John uh, turns and he uh, turned around to see the voice that was speaking to him. Uh, and uh, when he turned around, he saw seven golden lampstands and he saw among the lampstands uh, was someone, he says, someone like the Son of Man. And the Son of Man in the Scriptures, or the Son of God in the Scriptures, always referring to the Christ or the Messiah or Jesus in this case. He, he sees someone who looks like the Son of Man among the lampstands, and he's dressed, and he describes how he's dressed with his robe, uh, down to his feet, uh, the sash. He's got hair like white as snow. His eyes are like blazing fire. He's a powerful He's a powerful person in Revelations. The Son of God, Jesus, is a conquering king. He came the first time in love to say, you're invited to my banquet, you're invited to the feast. But when he comes again, he is coming in power and in might. And he's coming to conquer and to put an end to evil and to sin and to take anyone who has honored him and lived their lives for him and surrendered their will to him to take them to be with him forever in heaven. And this is a picture of what that's going to kind of be like one day. And this is going to happen just like everything else God has said will happen. But look what it says here. He comes down to the end. His face is like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And in verse 17, check this out. It says this. When I saw him, John says, Revelator on the island of Patmos, he says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. When we get a healthy understanding of who God is, when we begin to really realize that I am like I am the work of his hands from the dirt that he fashioned, that he made to breathe and to have a heartbeat and to think, to have an intellect, that we are made in his image to think like God in a way, to, to feel, to have emotion, all the things that are inside of us, that are eternal things that will go on forever. The body is a vessel. It's like, a, it's like the bottle, right, of this water. It's, it's going to perish one day. But what's inside of us will live forever. That's our eternal soul. That's the part that we are to be working out. But, but when John sees this, the scripture says he falls as though he were dead. Because when we get a healthy understanding of who Jesus is, I mean, our only response is to just fall on our face and, and realize that he is God, that he is God. And look what it says, that he, that he, the son of man, he placed his right hand on me and he said to me, do not be afraid. See, the only one who could take away the fear in that moment would be him, would be God. And he says, don't be afraid. I am the first. I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and forever and forever and forever is the idea there when he says it forever twice. It means forever, ongoing, never ending. For eternity, I am alive forever. And I hold, the Son of Man says, I hold the keys of death and Hades or hell, I hold those keys. Only Jesus holds those keys. When you understand who he is and who we are, there's a sense of awe that will come over us that will cause us to have fear and trembling, a sense of trembling or quaking of, of who he is, that we are in the presence of greatness. And Paul, says, Paul says to the Philippians, and it applies to you and me today, 
continue, continue to work out your salvation with this sense of fear and trembling. This little guy right here, he says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. And a guy, a scholar by the name of Bengal said this, we should have an eager uh, have an eager trembling to obey God in all things, considering the tremendous sacrifice that Jesus has made for you and for me. Ultimate respect is what this is about. It's about ultimate respect for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who is God, the one who came to save you and me from our sin. And he says... He says, look, y'all, Paul says to the Philippians, he says, look, thinking about who God is is just incredibly powerful. It should just melt us to think of who he is. But once we are able to somehow like get past not dying from the thought of who he is, because maybe there's a block in our mind, because I think if we really understood who God was, we would just melt or collapse and be so fearful that we would just have a heart attack, I think, if we really, 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 really were able to get it in its fullness. And somehow I think God puts a cushion on that, right? He puts a blocker in there so that that doesn't happen to us. But, but what Paul is saying to them is like, once we get past this sense of awe of who God is, now we get to go to work with God on us. And he says, continue to work out your salvation. That's such a great word for us today. In the midst of all that's going on, we can continue to move forward in our faith with God and continue to work on our salvation, our heart, our mind, our soul, the way we think. You know, we're all busy working in life, even if we're somewhat stagnant for a moment or we're in quarantine or we're away from everybody. But the question really for all of us is this, what are you working out? What are you working on? Like what part of you is so important that you are giving your attention to? I hope, I hope and pray that it will be the things of God. Are you, are you working on your portfolio? Is that what you're working on? Are you working on or is your focus on like your physical body and your physical body only? Or maybe your debt or maybe your diet or who knows what else maybe you're working on. We're all working on stuff. I'm working on a garden. I'm working on me. But don't neglect. Let me urge you, before Jesus returns, before he comes back or before this world ends, as fragile as this world is, don't neglect your salvation. Work out your salvation. If you need my help, if you want to talk to me about anything, call me, text me, message me on the link or however you can. Just look me up. Find a way. I'll be glad to talk to you. I really will. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey with Jesus, wherever you may be, let me encourage you to seek the Lord while he may be found. While there is time, moving forward, moving forward in your faith, keep working it out. Keep working it out. Put in the time, put in the effort, put in the energy, sweat and tears. Because when you do that, there is a greater chance of good success for the kingdom of God when you continue to work out your salvation in fear and in trembling. God bless you. I hope you'll be safe this week. We'll see you again next week. But be safe. Do the things that are going to be good and, 
and write and take time, take some time, get in the word and, and discover what it is God has for your life. May the Lord.